you have your Bibles with you, please turn to our reading this morning. John chapter 5, starting at verse 16, reading through to 30. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Thanks, Carl. Well, uh, the, the, this morning is our last sermon in the series that we've been doing uh, on who Jesus is. And we've used over the last uh, four weeks as our starting point the, the responses that we had from people around Launceston as we asked them the question who they think Jesus is. Uh, and we've had uh, some really useful answers to that question and, we, and we've looked at some of the things that we've heard back from people. We looked at whether Jesus really existed and we saw that there was good historical evidence for that. Uh, we looked at whether he was just an ordinary man. We've looked at why we should even care who Jesus is. But what was really surprising, I think, in the answers that we received back from those surveys was that one of the top responses, in fact, far and away the top response, was that Jesus is the Son of God. And I don't think that that was mostly from people who are church-going people. Lots of people who normally wouldn't turn up to church uh, gave the answer that Jesus was the Son of God. So what I want to do this morning is to think about a bit more deeply about what that means. What does it mean that Jesus is the Son of God? And then also to think, what is the implication of that? If Jesus is the Son of God, what does that mean for your life and for my life? 
How does that change uh, our lives? Uh, Before we get into that, I just want to recommend uh, a book that uh, a chap I know wrote, Andrew Moody. Uh, Andrew was finishing his PhD just as I started mine, uh, and he did his PhD on the Trinity, and he's written not an academic book, but just a book for ordinary, uh, you know, ordinary Christians like you and I, uh, about the Trinity. It's very accessible and it's one of the best books on the Trinity that I've ever read. So, In the Light of the Sun, I highly recommend it. Uh, So, if you have any questions from what I say today, uh, that is a great book to read. Uh, So, so what does Jesus say then in in John chapter 5? Well, right through this passage uh, that we read, Jesus is talking about himself as Uh, the Son, and he's talking about his relationship with the Father. And as he speaks about that, the first claim that he makes is that he is equal with God. And that claim comes in what seems a fairly innocuous statement in verse 17. He says, My Father is always at at his work to this very day, and I too am, am working. My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. It seems not uh, that controversial a claim. But the context of Jesus' claim comes amidst a controversy about the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the day of rest for God's people in the Old Testament. One day every week the people would take to rest from all their work and from all their labour. But in the passage just before this, Jesus has healed a man on the Sabbath and having done that, he tells the man to pick up his mat and to go home. And for the religious leaders of Jesus' day, that was a big no-no. They were big no-nos on the Sabbath. And so we're told in verse 16, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. The religious leaders here are accusing Jesus of disobeying the Sabbath by working on the Sabbath. Now, Jesus could have responded to that accusation as he does in other places, uh, in, other, in, the, in some of the other Gospels, by saying, look, you guys have totally misunderstood what the Sabbath was about. They'd come up with all these fine distinctions about what you could do and what you couldn't do, and Jesus could have simply said to them, look, you guys have missed the point. But here he doesn't do that. He doesn't say that. Instead, he says... My father is at work to this very day, and I too am working. To understand Jesus' response, it helps to know that the question that occupied many Jews in Jesus' day was the question, well, what about God? We rest on the Sabbath, but what about God? Does God obey his own law? Does it get to the Sabbath day and God says, that's it, I'm having a day off. I'm not doing any work today. And if that happens... What happens to the world? Does God stop looking after people? Does God stop upholding the laws of nature? And so the Jewish scholars concluded that God must still work on the Sabbath day. They came up with all kinds of reasons and excuses why he could do that without breaking his law. That's not the point. The point is that when Jesus says... My Father is at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Jesus is saying, I'm doing the same thing that God is doing. God works today, and so do I. Jesus is claiming 
to have the same privileges that the Father has, to have the privileges of God. The Father is at work upholding the creation, so is Jesus. And the Jewish leaders understand exactly what Jesus is claiming. They understand that he's not claiming just to be like God, but he's claiming to be equal with God. Verse 18, for this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. There are other places in John's Gospel where Jesus or somebody else expresses that same truth, the idea that Jesus isn't just like God, but is God. At the beginning of this gospel that John writes, he says in chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, God's expression, self-expression, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Or John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Or John 8.58, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. Not I was, but I am. I am was the name that God had revealed to Moses before the Exodus. Jesus was taking on God's own self-designation, his own name. In John 14, Jesus says to one of the disciples, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is so closely identifying himself with God the Father that to see him is to see the Father. And in John 20, 28, when the disciple Thomas sees the risen Jesus, he cries out, my Lord and my God. He realizes who Jesus truly is. Jesus is claiming to be equal with God, to share the privileges and the prerogatives and the power of God. And others recognize that about him too. They recognize not only that he is that, but they recognize that that is exactly what he is claiming to be. But the religious leaders recognize that such a claim risks undermining the absolute commitment of the Bible to one God. If the Father is God and Jesus is God, if Jesus is equal with God, what does that mean that there are two gods? Well, in the rest of the chapter, Jesus goes on to explain how he can be equal with God, but not uh, in such a way that there are two gods. So, first, Jesus claims to be equal with God. Second, Jesus says he's not independent of the Father, but in some way subordinate to the Father, yet at the same time doing all that the Father does. So, he says in verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus says he can do nothing without the father, which makes it sound like he is less than the father. So you and I can do nothing without the father as well. We're dependent creatures. Does that mean that Jesus is like us? He's just a regular guy? Is that what Jesus is saying? No, it's not, because that's actually only the first half of the sentence. He goes on to say something else. 
He can, on, he can only do what he sees his father doing, that's half of it. But not only can, uh, is that true, the son also does all, all that he sees his father doing. He can't do anything without the father, but he also does everything that the father does. Verse 20, for the, son loves, the father loves the son and shows him all he does. He shows him all that he does, so that whatever the father does, the son does as well. So in Matthew 5, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. That is, if you and I are people who make peace, we are like God in some sense. We show ourselves, as one person has said, to be part of the God family. God's the God who makes peace. And when we make peace, we show ourselves to be like God in some respect. In that sense, we're called sons of God. We're like God. But what Jesus is claiming here is not to be like God in one small way, blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus is claiming to be like God in every way. He does whatever the Father does. When the Father creates, the Son also creates. When the Father upholds the world in providence, in His care and His love for the creation, the Son upholds the world in providence, in His care and love for the creation. That's not true of any other creature. The Bible says that God will make His people like Jesus in the new creation, will be like Jesus. Jesus calls us to be perfect, like our Heavenly Father is perfect. But the Bible never calls us to create a universe or to uphold a universe. And it never promises that we will do that. As though now we're weak and one day we'll be people who uphold the universe. No. The Bible never promises that God will show us everything that He does or everything that He can do. God is still God and we are still ordinary people. Jesus then goes on to uh, spell out a couple of ways in which he does exactly what the Father does. First, just as the Father gives life and raises the dead, Jesus also gives life and raises the dead. Verse 21, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. The Father gives to the Son not just the power to give life, but the authority to give it to whomever He wishes. That's the prerogative of God, isn't it? To give life to people. God gives that authority to no other person. No one in the Bible has promised that power, only Jesus the Son possesses it. Second in verse 22, Jesus says... Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Who will judge people on the last day? Will it be God? Jesus says it's himself. The Father, according to Jesus, doesn't uh, even judge anyone on his own, but he's handed that prerogative over to Jesus. Jesus possesses God's own authority to judge the world. Jesus is making claims that no other human being has ever made. To do all that the Father does is an implicit claim to have the power to do all the things that God does. 
But how is that then not two gods with equal power? The Father and the Son. And how do we know that they won't go off in two different directions? The Father going off over here. No, I think we should give life to that person. And the Son saying, no, you know what? I don't don't like them. Maybe we should give life to this person and we should judge this, this person differently. That brings us back to Jesus' comment in verse 19. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Jesus is simply saying there, he does nothing on his own. He doesn't ever go one way and the father go another way. Because the son does nothing without the father. They always operate in tandem. They always operate together. Jesus says the same thing in verse 30 with respect to judgment. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. The Father has given Jesus to judge, but the Son judges exactly as he hears the Father, what what pleases the Father. Everything he does is completely in line with the Father's will. So when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead, will it be Jesus judging and not God? No, it will be God judging. Because Jesus is one with the Father and their wills and their purposes are so deeply united, they're completely aligned. The Son does nothing without the Father, the Father does nothing without the Son. So when Jesus claims that he is equal with God, he's not claiming that there are two gods with equal powers going in different directions, but rather that he and the Father are so deeply one, doing all things together in perfect unity and harmony, such that there are not two gods, but one God. And it's that unity and diversity that Christians have tried to capture with the idea of the Trinity. It's just a word that people have made up. It's a word that means tri-unity. Jesus and the Father are equal, but not in such a way that we end up with two different gods. And Jesus and the Father are not so identical that there is no distinction between them. The Father is still greater than the Son. The Father sends the Son. The Son obeys the Father. And he does everything that the Father does. So Jesus claims that he is equal with God doing all that the Father does while being utterly united with the Father in purpose and in love. Next, Jesus says that the Father has given him life in himself, verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Just as the Father is self-existent, so also is the Son. So you and I are dependent creatures. We rely on God to have life. God doesn't rely on anyone else to exist. He exists of his own. And Jesus says, just as the Father exists of his own, so also does the Son. But remarkably, that life in himself, Jesus says, is is something that has been granted to him by his Father, which sounds like a contradiction. But again, Jesus' point is this, 
that he is not independent of his Father. The life in himself which he has is not life that he has apart from the Father. The Father has granted him to have life in himself. So again, even in their very existence, the Father and the Son, the life of the Father and the Son are so deeply entwined that the two exist together of themselves, not dependent on anything outside of themselves. Uh, Later in uh, John, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And again, the religious leaders uh, pick up stones to stone him because Jesus, a mere man, is claiming to be God. But Jesus goes on to explain that he is not another God in the place of God, but he and the Father are one because the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Jesus is saying again, he and the Father are not two gods at com- in competition with each other, but one God whose very life is so deeply intertwined and whose very purposes are so deeply united and whose love is so absolutely reciprocated that this is not two gods, but one. So Jesus is equal with God, but not in such a way that we have two gods, but such that the Father and Son are so deeply united in purpose and life that the two are one. But why does that matter? What does it matter that Jesus is the Son of God? How does that affect you or I? Well, I think there are two ways uh, in this passage that Jesus says that, that matters. First, Jesus says it matters because the Father's purpose is that all might honour the Son. Verse 22, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. The Father desires not simply that all would honour the Son, but that all would honour the Son just as or in the same way that they honour the Father. So in the same way that we worship the Father, we worship the Son. We worship and honour the Father as God, and just as or in the same way, we worship and honour the Son as God. Imagine saying what Jesus says about himself, about any other person. Imagine saying that about Abraham. God desires... The Father desires that we honour Abraham just as we honour the Father. It would be blasphemous, wouldn't it? Or imagine God saying, God wants us to honour the archangel Gabriel just as we honour the Father. It would be an outrage. It would be an outrage, it would be blasphemous because God says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. But Jesus' claim is that we should worship and honour and serve him. God is so deeply united that to worship the Father is to worship the Son. And to worship the Son is to worship the Father. In fact, so tightly connected are the Father and the Son that to fail to honour the Son 
is to fail to honour the Father. So Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, will honour Jesus as special, but they won't honour Jesus, as he says here, in the same way as the Father. And frighteningly, Jesus says that the person who fails to honour Jesus in the same way as the Father doesn't honour the Father at all. So here's the test. Do you honour the Son? Do you worship Jesus as God? Do you worship Jesus as God at church, as we sing songs that honour him together with the Father and together with the Spirit? Do you worship Jesus as God through the rest of your life? Do you praise Jesus in the prayers that you pray to the Father? Do you pray to him as your God? Do you listen to him as your King who commands you how to live and shows you what to do with your life? Do you love Jesus with all your heart and soul and mind and strength? Do you glorify him and enjoy him forever? If you don't, you need to admit that to God. Confess it and ask God to forgive you through the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Son whom you don't honour. And you need to ask God to fill you with his spirit to help you honour his glorious and majestic son, Jesus. Why does it matter that Jesus is the son of God? It matters because the father desires all people to honour the son just as they honour the father. And to fail to do that is to fail to honour the father at all. Second, it matters because to the son has been granted to judge and to give life. Jesus says in verse 28, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. In the context of this passage, uh, doing good versus doing evil is described as hearing God's words and believing God's words. Verse 24, I tell you the truth, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Jesus says uh, that the Father has entrusted judgment to him, condemnation and life. And whether we receive from Jesus condemnation or life depends on one thing. It depends on whether we hear his words and believe him who sent him. One day Jesus will return uh, and you and I will rise to meet him. Uh, And you and I will stand before him. And what we have done with the words that Jesus has spoken and the truth of who Jesus is will matter. It will matter for eternity. Did you hear his words? And believe them or trust and trust them, or did you reject his words or ignore them? Well, here are some words of Jesus in order to help you think about whether you have heard Jesus and believed him or whether you haven't. Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You might believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but are you listening to him? Have you entrusted your life to him? Do you honour him as the Father desires you to honour him? Because he is the Son of God, you need to listen to him. Because he is the one who gives life and who brings condemnation. You need not merely to know about him, but you need to know him for yourself. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus, your one and only Son, who was with you before the creation of the world, through whom you have created all things and through whom you uphold all things. Thank you that you have sent him into our world to be one of us, born as a man to suffer the indignities that we suffer, the hardships and the cruelties that we suffer, to face temptation and yet to be without sin, to face death and yet to conquer it, to rise to life and to bring life to all those who entrust themselves to his loving care. Father, thank you that you have sent your one and only Son into our world to save sinners, people like us. And thank you, Father, that we have now heard who Jesus is. And we ask that you would enable each and every one of us to hear, to receive, to believe your testimony about Jesus Christ, to entrust ourselves to him and to be reconciled through him with you. Father, we ask all this for Jesus' sake. Amen.